All right. Hello, Kindred. You were invited to a very important meeting. This is Thursday morning quarterback. <laughs> Just has my coffee. Um, can almost talk normal. Feel tired, but it's good tired. Yeah, we just thought we'd get together today, and, and uh, we've been, you know, we're still like kind of in like our three-year anniversary reminiscing mode, and so we were just talking a little bit before we hit record about just what's different three years later, or what what are we surprised about or happy with? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think, yeah, sort of coming off this vision and value series and yeah, thinking about how we're we're still sort of in the very beginning of this fourth year, just looking back and going, yeah, what has surprised us? Um, what are the things that we set out to do that we feel like we're seeing come to life? And also, what are the things like we didn't set out with the intention of doing, but um, that are, yeah, I don't know. What didn't we expect that we're running into or coming up against? All that. I like it. Yeah, I mean... Let's just frame it. Uh, people, you know, Lindsay doesn't watch The Office because she um, <laughs> has moral objections to it. I guess <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but I don't know if you if you're an Office fan out there, uh, you remember the episode where uh, Jim leaves Scranton and he goes to um, Stanford, and uh, he sees Dwight at this convention, and Dwight sees him and assumes that Jim isn't doing well because he's no longer at you know, their branch. And so he goes, Oh Jim, how are you doing? Are you okay? (laughs) And all this pity. Yeah. And Jim's like, Oh yeah, I had my best sales numbers ever or something like that. And he's like, that can't be true. And he's like, you know, gets all frustrated. I feel like there's a lot of people because they know that the past was like a big church model and, and stuff. And so they look at me and they go, like it happened to me twice this week. Oh, how are you guys? Okay. (laughs) And I'm like, Hey, I get it. I mean, I'm an American too. I go to Walmart. Like, I get that everybody thinks bigger, better is the is the the way of the future and stuff like that. I like our church, and and like I I really clearly want people to know that we're doing things on purpose. Like, we like our church, and we like you, Kindred. And so, uh, I mean, we studied minor prophets last semester in in Zechariah, and there's context to this, but it's this verse just has stuck with me. Zechariah four uh, ten. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, which I love. And for me, I go three years in, uh, who knows? I don't even know what we were talking about this. It was COVID. I didn't have expectations. Yeah. I knew I wanted something new and different. Um, I couldn't do what I was doing anymore, which is, you know, a different pod for a different day, but, um, it was over for me. Uh, but my thing that remained is that I love people and I, and I love that, that Jesus has something for people, but all I wanted was a community of people that, that want to be in real relationship with me, which means that we are doing this together and not playing church games. And I'm over that. I don't know. Maybe we're not publishing this. (laughs) (laughs) This is just for us. (laughs) I think. Yeah, it's interesting because I think being still like young, being in our infancy, I think what feels like this interesting paradox with Kindred is that it came together so quickly. Like our team that we wanted to launch with, the way we found a space, the way people invested in this dream with us, like that all felt like warp super speed. Um, it which was. is I, th- I think is like, 
um, not usual for a church mm-hmm. plant. And so that all came together so, so quickly. And I think maybe then there, there was this unsaid expectation that things would just continue to escalate at that velocity. And I think what we're experiencing is, you know, that building something that will last takes a lot more time. And so that has felt different from like launch preparation phase, even through those first like six months, it just felt like things were flying. And now it's like, we're still though in the very beginning. I don't think we're past really that phase yet. And so that has felt just, I think like this interesting, I don't know. Yeah. Paradox that exists for us. I think too, something that, I don't know, I would say like you, I didn't have a ton of expectations, which maybe every church planning, you know, book and whatever would be like, that's a terrible way to start. But there was no like, this is what five years will look like. And then this is what 10 will look like. And then this is what 20. It really was just, it felt so clear and imminent that we were supposed to do this now. Yeah. And so we said, yes. And then I think it's been really beautiful to hold things loosely and and with open hands. I also think that can feel frustrating mm-hmm. for for anyone who's trying to go like, we want to be on the ride with you. Where are we going? Yeah. Well, COVID was the Wild West for all this kind of stuff. You know, like it was like we were living in such uncertain times that we didn't even know if we were going to be allowed to meet. And then it was right. like, oh, you can only have, what was it? 75, 50 people in a room or 50 something? 50 people in a room. So then we had three services because of that. And they were full, like all full. You had to register <laughs> for service. That's right. You had to register. I forgot that. Yeah. The mask thing. And then I felt like guilty that I was taking mine off to talk. And like, it's just felt like the Wild West. Like there was no rules to it. And like when life returned to like 401k real again, and everybody's like, how do we get ahead? It was all of a sudden it was kind of like, I don't know that I want to live on that treadmill anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I get, honestly, like, I get that that's frustrating for some people. I get that it's frustrating to go, like, why aren't we doing 600,000 ministries to every single possible thing? I, I'm actually excited by that. I love that 99% of the people that come through the door that can say their name. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a point. We talked about that really early on, there being a point in which that becomes impossible, you know, with with so many people coming through the doors, there's a point where it's like, in the way I want to do this job, in the way I want to like express our gifts, in the way I want to like, yeah, lead this community. And not everyone wants to do that the same way, which is fine, but for the way we want to do that and express that, it was important for both of us, I think, to go, I want to be in a place where I can know it's even possible for me to know the names and stories and struggles of the people walking through our doors. Like that felt crucial for us. And it doesn't have to be for everyone, but for us, certainly there is a point where that isn't possible anymore. And so even as we look to the future, we go, well, what will that mean for us? When at some point we realize like we either, who knows, can't do that anymore or aren't able to, I think we'll have new questions to ask because that will remain something for us that we go, that's how we want to do this. I like, I just, I guess like the thing that, I, that I'm more than ever interested in is like, what does it just look like to be cool, normal people that love Jesus? Right. I, I've been working in churches for 25 years, which is crazy. <laughs> um, and I've worked at 
a medium-sized church that became a mega church while I worked there in um, my earliest days. And then I, I didn't I didn't fit there. Uh, I went and worked for a tiny little parachurch. And then I quit ministry for a couple of years and I got married and didn't think I wanted to do it. And I sat at a desk and every single day I was like, why am I not doing that? Got called by a friend and ended up at this tiny church down south. That's about the size of, of Kindred, honestly. And it's some of my favorite, absolute favorite days of my entire life. Um, and when it was clear that it's time for me to leave there, went to the biggest church in Colorado. And the thing that's in common with all of those places is that people either want the, 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 the guidance and, and spiritual direction and like help from a pastor or they don't. Right. And so like, I just look at that all the time and think no matter how many people are in a room, there's going to be some people who get it and some people who don't. Some people who want it and some people who don't. Some people that are there because they think they're supposed to be and some people, people that are there because they want to be, right? And I, and I just always, for me personally, I always go like, I can't, I'm not in charge of splitting the goats and the sheep. That's not what I'm in charge of. Jesus does that. I'm supposed to be there to take care of whatever the aftermath of that is. That's good. And so I... I take that seriously, you know, and I go, we're not for everyone. I mean, a couple people have let me know that recently and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I love meeting on Wednesday night and I know it's not for everyone. And there's people who are like, oh, if you weren't on Wednesday night, I would come and I get it. And that makes me sad. Hopefully those people can like connect with us at our events and stuff like that. And some of them have, but, um, but Wednesday nights has been really like for my family in this season, really good. And I've heard this from a lot of other people too. Um, I get to be a dad on the weekends, which is huge for me, you know, and I, I usually end up taking one day off a week, which is unhealthy, but I, that's what I do. And it's like my day off is Sunday and it's puzzling to people who don't go to church who find out what I do. And they're like, what do you mean you're off today at the basketball game? I'm like, yeah, we just chose something different. Um, and it was like, people were like, well, why'd you do that? Honestly, I don't know. If we, do we talk about this out loud very often or ever? Probably not often enough. So we were like, what if we just flip it inside out? We go to church on Wednesday nights, and then during the weekend is when we actually spend time with people intentionally, right? Um, that's when we invite people over for a meal. That's when we uh, talk to our neighbor when we're both out shoveling. And they, if speaking from my own experience, they may want nothing to do with me, but I'm going to keep giving them the old college try, you know? <laughs> like, th- that's when we have a Bible study with people that we can actually get into depth with and talk with. And some of those people will be amazing, you know, and, and that was our plan from the start. And we're both living that out. Maybe we're not talking about that model as much as we did at the beginning, because it's like life is crazy and busy and quick, but I love it. Yeah. I I love it. Yeah. I don't know. I also think there's something too about when we thought about, okay, well, if we're not, at church on a Sunday, we're going to be just in our life, whether that's at a kid's, you know, tournament, or I'm going to be meeting up with my friends for brunch, or I'll be watching the game with some neighbors or whatever that looks like. People who aren't in church are doing those things on Sunday. Right. They're not accidentally winding up at a church. And so what does it look like for me to be in the very places where people who aren't at church are on a Sunday? Yeah. Um, that felt kind of exciting and interesting to us. And it's like taking away the programmatic part of what missional living is. 
where I go like um, some of my best conversations have been at baseball fields and basketball courts in the last three years. Like honestly, where people are like, tell me how you can possibly believe that kind of stuff, you know, or people that I found out grew up as pastors, kids and all kinds of stories. Like it's crazy how many conversations like that I've had. And that's a significant thing. I used to always say this, um, in monument when I worked at, at, um, at, at a youth group down there that my youth group wasn't just the kids who showed up every week or just the kids who came to church on Sunday after the youth group on, on what do we have Thursday night right up against lost. It was rough. Um, <laughs> it was all these kids that I knew I would play basketball with them after school, get kicked out of the YMCA one time, just one time only happened once. Um, I would go to their events. I would go to their plays. I would go to their family's houses for dinner. I was the phone call when their kids got arrested, which happened a few times or, I was the phone call when they had great news. I've been doing their weddings now for 10 years. And like, I love, I wish I saw them more. Like I love these people. Right. Um, my youth group was not just the 60 kids who came on Thursday. And then the next week, 40 of the same and 20 different ones. Like, and that's how I feel about Kendra. Like we have, we have a couple hundred people involved. Most weeks we have about a hundred of them show up. Right. They're all part of Kindred. I know so many people who are like, I listen every, I get text messages from people that have never come on physically on Wednesday. And I get it. I get that some people go, well, that means they're not part of the church. And I, I disagree. Like those people are part of the church and they're part of what we're doing and what we're building. We actually have this idea that what we can be is a place where anybody can recover from like religious trauma, for instance, or can come in and like, maybe you have no trauma, but you just want to be a part of a loving place that wants to actually look at what Jesus said instead of prescribing what Jesus did. I, I want this to be a place where people can say, hey, I don't actually know what I think. Or, and there's some people who I really love who are in this spot, I'm not sure I even buy it anymore. But like, you're my friends and you're the people in my life and I am gonna come to you with the things that I think about, dream about, fear. And like, I'm gonna do the same thing. And I. I don't have a, a vision of you and I being special in that. Like I still have, I fear, I know I just shared this a, a couple weeks ago, but I'm, I'll do it again. I fear like I, I, um, I have like tons of insecurity. I also have like sure, like surety and like I'm crystal clear what we're trying to do. And maybe I don't, maybe I'm not the best at articulating that all the time, but it's crystal clear to me why we started this church. All we're trying to do is have this corner of the world that we believe is ours, which is authentic, normal people talking about Jesus. And that's all I want to be. Yeah. I think that's maybe one of what has felt so reassuring and comforting um, and, and healing about Kindred is um, I think for a long time feeling like, oh my gosh, am I the only person that wants that? Yeah. Like, good. is, is there something, am I crazy for feeling like the rest of this has kind of like spun out of control and I don't really feel like I fit anymore. And I just like, don't want to do that anymore, but everything is sort of telling me, but you should. Mm. And what has been so, yeah, surprising and, and beautiful about Kindred is, in the people that do connect with what we do, realizing, oh my gosh, well, 
we're not the only two people that wanted that and feel that way and desire something else mm. without the rest of it that really do are just trying to get a better look at Jesus yeah, and then figuring out what I'm supposed to do with that. And I think that was like overwhelming in the beginning to go, oh my gosh, there's other people who are craving something normal and authentic and sincere and all the things that we want to be about and going oh my gosh like this gets to be where I discover that too it's not just like you and I created kindred for all these other things it's like kindred exists for me as well where I get to go do that and that has felt I was shocked by that I think in the beginning and now um it's just like a comfort that anyone that you know, experiences us for the first time or is new to like connecting with what we're doing and vocalizes that, I just go like, yes, there are, there we're out here <laughs> and there are other people who are, are craving that. And um, it just feels exciting to now like get to do that together. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Lindsay, let me ask you this. Lindsay, let me ask you this. When you're on a walk and there's a leaf on the ground, are you stepping on that leaf every time? Uh, every time I'm stepping on that leaf. <laughs> I'm going out of my way to step on that leaf. I love the crunch of a leaf. Oh, but what if it's like soggy? Don't touch snow? that one. Don't touch it. I don't touch that one. But if it's going to be a crunchy leaf, I will stop. I will change my gait. I will turn to the left or the right. I will do whatever it takes to crunch that leaf. Is it because you're from San Diego and you didn't have seasons? Oh, maybe. So now it's like... You must. Maybe. It just feels so good. It's so satisfying. I also, I love a good pine cone step where you just like crunch that pine cone in the middle of your foot and it like stretches your plantar fascia out a little bit. Love it. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I get that a little bit. Every time. I don't know if I'm going out of my way, but like I get it. Have you ever seen the things that are like little, almost like um, little dried pods all over like a stick on the ground? Yeah. Crushing that for sure. Going to step on that. Uh yeah. Anyways, I just felt like I had to tell somebody. Yeah, you can tell me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad this is a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> that was a VIM, and we love you, Kindred. We'll see you soon.